What's going on, everybody? Thank you so much for joining me here for this Tuesday edition of Fantasy MLB Today. We're a sports ethos presentation, of course, and I'm your host, Joe Orico. You can find me on Twitter at JoeOrico99 and also at EthosFantasyBB. We are still posting daily content over there. Of course, these podcasts are pickups of the day articles as well as a ton of other stuff. We have a weather report that comes out. We have our bullpen piece, two-star pitchers. There's a ton of content that you can find at EthosFantasyBB on Twitter and also at SportsEthos.com. That is the source where everything does get originally posted from. Now, we are going to be talking about some news and notes today. A lot of it's injury-related. We're also going to talk a little bit about Adam Wainwright from yesterday because there's a decent chance Adam Wainwright's going to be looked back as a league winner this year. Uh, and, you know, if you rostered him a lot of the season, then you're, you're probably not going to agree with that. But if he was just somebody that you streamed in over these last couple of weeks, there's been a lot of fun with Adam Wainwright. It's kind of unbelievable, but also kind of predictable at the same time. Uh, we'll get to that in a little bit. Let's start off with Carlos Correa. Oh, God. Carlos Correa is probably the most overrated fantasy baseball player that there ever was, <laughs> especially at this point, the way that he has declined uh, over these last couple of seasons. Now he is going to be missing some time. It looks like he aggravated his foot. He's got that plantar fasciitis. And he's not somebody who's had a good season to begin with, so I'm not holding him. Like there, are, He's going to be out of the lineup today. Uh, we got a report about a half an hour ago. He's not going to be in the lineup today against Cincinnati, but I think he's a drop across the board, personally. 68% rostered. For what reason exactly, Carlos Correa? He's batting 230. That's been the thing with him for his whole career. Where you know, Even if the steals aren't going to be there, even if the counting stats aren't going to be there, whatever, you're getting good batting average. 230. He's been awful in terms of the batting average. Again, zero steals. He just doesn't steal anymore. He doesn't even try to steal anymore. 60 runs scored. 65 RBIs, and 18 home runs. Carlos Correa stinks. I'm sorry. He's not He's not a good offensive player. He's just not. Defensively, yeah, Carlos Correa is excellent. His glove is excellent. Offensively, he sucks, man. Like ah, He has a 96 WRC+. Plus. He's a below-league average bat. He's somebody for fantasy purposes He's always been overrated. Like, he has over 100 runs in his career one time. Never had over 100 RBIs. Never had more than 26 home runs. Hasn't stolen bases in, like, five years. I don't see the appeal. I guarantee you there will be some people next year who have the same thought process about Carlos Correa that they have every year. And they say, oh, you know, he's a good bargain here around 160 or whatever, whatever the price is next year. He's stable. He's this. He's that. He's nothing. He's none of the above. He's played a whole season this year. They're not a great team, Minnesota. Offensively, they're generally about a middle-of-the-pack team. Sometimes, some stats a little bit higher, some stats a little bit lower. They're fifth in home runs, which is very good. They're 22nd in batting average, 10th in slugging, 10th in OPS. They're fine enough. Carlos Correa just does nothing. He really is not a fantasy asset at all at this point of his career. I think the writing was on the wall, too. Like Even in those seasons in Houston, like I said, 68 RBIs, 96, 84, 65, 59, you know, never crazy numbers. His last year in Houston was probably his best year offensively, 26 homers, 104 runs, 92 ribbies. That was probably the best season we're ever going to see at a Carlos Correa. He's in a much worse offense now. Like, they've still been fine, Minnesota, but they are much worse than what you're going to get in Houston. 
We expected him to fall off a little bit, but the counting stats being in the 60s and 70s, the home runs not even cracking 20, no stolen bases, no batting average. Drop Carlos Correa, and for me, for my money, he's not somebody that I'm going to be targeting at all next season in your standard head-to-head leagues. I think he should go undrafted in a 12-teamer. I really do. 15-team Roto NFBC leagues, yes, he'll be drafted. He shouldn't be drafted as a shortstop. I think he should be more as a utility middle infield kind of guy. I just don't have a lot of faith in what we've seen over the last couple of years. The skills are declining. They weren't really that great fantasy-wise to begin with, so cut him for now. I don't think that there's any purpose in holding on to the 575th-ranked player this season to hope that he can come back and be healthy for a week. Like I think you need everybody contributing right now. Carlos Contreras hasn't get, Carlos Correa Contreras hasn't contributed at all this season. So please cut him. He's not healthy. He's not helping you out. Go find somebody else who will be helping out your fantasy squads right now. Let's talk about Tristan Cassis here a little bit. It's expected that he is done for the season. It's not a hundred percent, I don't think, but from what the Red Sox are saying, it's likely that he is not going to be activated from the injured list before uh, season's end. He has the shoulder injury. This is obviously shitty for people who have Cassis, for Red Sox fans, for baseball fans in general, because Cassis has been one of the big rookies this season. He's flown under the radar maybe just a little bit. <clears throat> There's been so many great rookies both in both leagues that I think Cassis may have actually flown under the radar a little bit, but 24 homers, a 263 batting average, 65 RBI, 66 runs. Excellent. Excellent season. Obviously, he's not somebody that you should be holding on to at this point. 54% rostered feels a little bit high. A lot of people's leagues are done this week, so it wasn't really likely that you were going to see Cassis anyway. Uh, he went on the IL, I think it was three days ago, four days ago, so it's not. it wasn't likely he was going to come back for you anyway. A lot of people had already dropped him. At this point, though, I think it, it really just becomes something that you have to do. If you, you know, I have used this point a lot this season. If you have unlimited IL spots, there are some leagues where you can just stash a million players. Then I guess it doesn't hurt. But I don't think that we're going to see Tristan Cassis uh, again this season. Looking forward to next season, though, because he is going to be in that lineup, in the middle part of that lineup, batting third or fourth. I'm not sure what the team is going to look like, if it's going to be as strong next season. I'm not sure if Justin Turner is going to be there. And I say strong in terms of like the offensive prowess of this team because they are third in hits per game, third in batting average, seventh in slugging, seventh in OPS, eighth in runs per game. Very strong offensively. It's been their pitching that has let them down. They rank in the 20s of pretty much every single pitching metric. Also, they have probably the worst defense in baseball. But if you just look at what they did offensively this season, a lot of good came out of this team. Devers had a very good season, even though it maybe wasn't what we were hoping for necessarily, like batting average a little bit lower than you would have thought with Devers, but still a 33 home run season. And he's still batting 278. I mean, it's a little bit lower than we might have expected, but still very acceptable. Uh, Justin Turner has been excellent. Yoshida, and everybody looks at war and everything else, but offensively speaking, Yoshida has been nearly a 300 hitter, uh, 15 home runs. He's been very solid. Cassis in there as well. Adam Duvall has missed a lot of the season but has still been really good asset. They have a good offense. Uh, who knows what Trevor Story is going to look like next year. Probably be a little bit better, you have to assume, than the 181 average he's given you. I do think looking forward, you can project Cassis as like a 30-plus home run guy with probably 80 to 90 runs in RBI scored and a, and a good chance that he's going to hit somewhere in the 300 range. He's always been a pretty high, bad, high batting average kind of guy. If you're in a non-base percentage league, 
he is going to skyrocket up the rankings because he walks a ridiculous amount of the time. This year, it wasn't his first go-around in the big leagues. He did have 27 games last year, but this was his real first go-around. He had a 14% walk rate. You know, 25% strikeout rate is pretty pretty reasonable, uh, especially when you're looking at a 14% walk rate. All throughout the minors, you're looking at double digits at every single level, so it's not really surprising. But sometimes you see those guys get to the big leagues and 14 13% turns into 7 8 9%, and then it's, eh, it's not as appealing. But Tristan Cassis, uh, whatever your format is, he is going to be a very, very strong first base candidate next season. In terms of where I'm going to draft him, in terms of where people are going to draft him, you have to assume he'll be like a back-end top 100 pick if you're projecting forward. You know, you look at what he did this year in 132 games, you think, okay, a whole season next year, another year of progression, you, you got to think 30 home runs. He started very slow, too. If He, you know, he was very streaky. Uh, this season, like I don't think anybody was really expecting it after the start that he had, but then we saw seven homers in July, five in August, and he really did pick it up uh, in the second half of the season. So I think he's going to be somewhere in the back half of the top 100. Maybe he'll fall just outside of the top 100, but I think wherever it is, as long as he's in that range, generally, as long as people aren't taking him 50, 60 kind of range. I think I'm going to have a good few shares of Tristan Cassis. Yeah, he's not going to steal your bases, but he's going to provide you really solid production in four of the categories, four of the five categories. So I think that you're still looking at a very strong player somewhere around pick 100 next season. I'm starting to kind of gather my thoughts on where I would want to take players for next season. I think that's generally where we're going to be looking uh, with him. Let's talk about Eduardo Rodriguez. Now, he went into Los Angeles last night against the Dodgers. He did not have a great outing. Uh, I think it was three innings he gave up. Was it five runs? And then he had to leave uh, with a back spasm. Not ideal. Um, I don't know if he was actually pulled because of the bad performance or if he was pulled because of the back spasms. Um, but no, they said he was lifted because of it. I mean, it's not like he was covering himself in glory, uh, giving up, I believe it was five runs in those three innings and one strikeout. A lot of cases, a lot of players with this kind of situation, back spasms, a couple of weeks left in the year, I'm generally dropping them. I'm going to hold on to Eduardo Rodriguez for the time being, pretty much solely because his next start is lined up, if he is able to make it against the Athletics. For now, I'm holding on because if he is able to go, he'll be one of the better starters available on that day, whatever, if it's Saturday or Sunday, if he is able to go against the A's, you're not going to find a better streamer than that. Probably not. It, you know, it depends on your league format. But let's say you drop him and you're looking for somebody else to pitch on Saturday or Sunday. How many more guys are going to be uh, having a better matchup than he would be against Oakland? And also, you know, Eduardo Rodriguez, as much as I don't really like him at, that much as a pitcher, he's had a pretty good season. Like He's fallen apart a little bit recently, but we're still looking at a 3.57 ERA, 1.17 whip for the year. Yes, he has missed some time. But overall... It's been a very, very strong season for him. The back spasms are worrying, but if he's able to go, if they are able to say, okay, like this is a team that's fighting for essentially nothing. If he is able to go, you have to assume that he is fully healthy. It's not just a, you know, we're going to try and squeeze you back in there because we're fighting for something. Like, no. If he's going to go, it's going to be because he's healthy. And if he is healthy against the Athletics, then he is going to be one of the better streamers available, one of the better pitchers in general available for this weekend. This could be championship weekend for you. For a lot of people, it is in your head-to-head -head leagues. 
that's a pretty decent option to have in your back pocket for the weekend as a, maybe not a streamer if you've been rostering him, but as a pitching option against a terrible team where there's a good chance of a victory. I'm holding on to him for now. Obviously, if they say he's missing that start, then pretty much all good for Eduardo Rodriguez is going to go out the window and he's not going to be somebody that you can roster again this season. But again, if we hear tomorrow that he's looking pretty good, if he's you know trending towards starting or we get one of those kind of reports, you're not going to be sit, want to be sitting there having dropped him the day before and then scrounging around the waiver wire for your whoever's... We haven't gone through weekend streamers yet. We'll do that later this week. I haven't really examined the weekend slate, but you're not going to want to be digging through the bargain bin when there's somebody in Eduardo Rodriguez who's been a borderline top 100 asset this year who could be going up against... The worst offense I've seen probably in my whole time watching baseball, certainly in the time I've been covering the sport. But for now, uh, holding on to Eduardo, Rod- Eduardo Rodriguez. He's still on 84% of rosters. I understand it. You know, some people have dropped him, which I also do understand. You might be at the point where you can't even take the chance. You need to just be streaming every single day. Rodriguez might be the worst player on your 10-team league, or maybe even you had him in an 8-team league because that would be totally reasonable the way he has pitched this year. In those kind of situations, if you want to move on or if you already did move on, I'm not going to really fault you for it, but I do think that there's a lot of upside in that Oakland A's matchup, and that's why I would be holding him uh, if I still had any shares, which I don't. I don't have any Eduardo Rodriguez this season, but I'm still holding him for now. A guy that I'm not holding, and it's it's an unfortunate one for sure because of how good he has been, it's Tanner Bybee. Tanner Bybee is done for the season with a hip injury. It's inflammation in his right hip. Tanner Bybee is going to get some Rookie of the Year votes, and he should. He's not going to win the award, but in 142 innings, we looked at 141 strikeouts, pretty much exactly 1K per inning, 10 wins for a bad Cleveland team, a sub-3 ERA, 298, and a 1.18 whip. Tanner Bybee has been excellent. He has been one of those many examples that we've seen over the last few years of Cleveland developing excellent pitching. Like We've seen it throughout this year. Um, Gavin Williams has also been excellent. Logan Allen at times also looks really, really good. This team is looking very bright uh, going forward. Logan Allen is pitching tonight, by the way, against Kansas City. Probably a decent streamer if you need him. Only 47% roster, just as a side note. But this team, I, I don't have a lot of concern about about this particular injury because it's not something that's arm-related. Yes, it's going to cost them the rest of the season, but... We're not talking about a team that was, again, that competitive. I mean, maybe in their head they still think they have a chance, and I guess mathematically, does Cleveland still have a chance? Seven back in the division. I guess technically they do, but they're not going to push their young guy here. Maybe if this was a situation where they were like a game back, then maybe they would try and push him through it. I'm really not sure how serious it is, but I think they're just taking the cautious route, which does make more sense here, I think, uh, considering the time of year that we are in right now. Tanner Bybee is going to be a very interesting asset next season. I have no idea where he's going to be drafted. I think probably you're going to be looking at that 120, 130 range, but there will be some people who look at the organization, who look at what he did this year, and push him up inside the top 100 picks. I don't know that I'd want him there. I have to see how the draft board shakes out. We've been talking these last couple days, and even a little bit last week as well, about what I'm looking at for 2024 draft prices. And until you really see the board, you can't really be sure about who you're going to be targeting and fading. I'm going to be targeting Bybee, assuming that we're getting him around pick 100 or later. Inside the top 100, I don't know that there's enough security there. In terms of the strikeouts, like the strikeouts were fine this year. Top 100 pick, I kind of want more security in terms of that and in terms of the victories. Again, he did have 10 wins this year. 
kind of fluky. I think for a bad team, it could have been just as easily four wins. It could have just as easily been 17 wins. Like, you never really know. But I do want to kind of ensure that I'm going to have at least guys going for the most part, right? You might take a guy who's pitching for a bad team if they're really that excellent. But for the most part, I do want to be taking guys who are going to be on successful teams who have high strikeout numbers inside those top 100 picks. General rule of thumb. There is obviously differences where some players, you'll take them if their strikeout rate's a little bit lower because of you know their team context is very good or vice versa, whatever. There are different variables. Generally speaking, Bobby is excellent, but he's not necessarily somebody I want to be pushing up so much. He could spike a top 50 season next year. I wouldn't be surprised by it. But I think in terms of the upside, while it's fairly high, it's not like sky high because of the strikeout rate is not going to be a stupid high number. You know, it's probably going to be fairly average in that 25 generally percent range. It's not, it's not going to be crazy high or crazy low. I think the wins may be kind of hard to come by going forward, which is where I, which is where I say probably outside of the top 100. If you're inside the top 100, there's not a hell of a, a lot of room there for error with your draft picks. If you're taking him in the 120, 130 range and you got a couple other starting pitchers there ahead of him in the pecking order on your team, then you're a little bit more confident in, okay, I'm going to get wins from this source. I'm going to get strikeouts likely from this source, blah, blah, blah. Bobby's very solid, but also, you know, without wanting to you know, insult the guy, kind of unexceptional too. Like he's been excellent, but he hasn't blown you away this season uh, fantasy-wise. Like, as a rookie for the level, for for his age, for everything, he's been amazing. But for fantasy baseball purposes, you know, you have to put him on the level with guys who've been around for 10 years and guys who've been around for 7 years, 12 years, whatever it is, and they're all bunched in the same grouping together, obviously. If this was a rookie draft, he'd go very high. Putting him into the player pool with everybody else for a whole season, again, I'm thinking probably in the 120 range is where I'd really want to be taking a chance on Bybee. And I don't want it to sound like I'm critical of him because I think he's excellent. But I don't want people to see the sub-3 ERA and the solid numbers and push him up to the 50 or 60 range because that's where you just kill all the value uh, in a pick like Tanner Bybee, hoping that he comes back stronger than ever next season. Uh, But for right now, he's obviously got to be somebody that you're dropping Let's conclude with a little bit of Adam Wainwright praise. This guy... He got his 200th win last night. He has been looking for these victories for the whole season, essentially. Now, he came into last week with three wins for the season. These last two starts for Adam Wainwright, if you were crazy enough to stream him, there's probably not a hell of a lot of people, but he's on 7% of rosters on Yahoo. So there's a few people that had him in their lineups for last night and for last week as well. You're looking like over the last 12 innings, he's allowed two earned runs, he has six strikeouts, which is nothing crazy, but you weren't expecting anything crazy. 55 strikeouts in 101 innings for him. You were never going to get big K numbers, but six strikeouts, only two earned runs in 12 innings, and he's got a victory in both of those last two starts. There's a decent chance Adam Wainwright, as crazy as it might sound, might have won you your league this year. There will be some people who look back and say, yep, I won by one win, and that was the Wainwright game. That's just ridiculous, right? But that is baseball. You know, we've seen it over the last couple of weeks. The Blue Jays get swept, and then they sweep the next team after. Texas sweeps Toronto. They go to Cleveland and get swept. And it's just a crazy, unpredictable sport. You never know what's going to happen. Adam Wainwright, I don't think that there was that many people who were going out there looking at the waiver wire, seeing Wainwright. Oh, yep, Wainwright's available. I'm picking him up. Very small percentage of people probably, but congratulations to you if you did. 
You got seven shutout innings, very strong play yesterday. You got five strong innings last week. Again, victories in both games. You're very happy. Now, I don't think Adam Wainwright is going to be pitching next season. I think that after him reaching 200 wins now, I mean, even if he finished the year on 199, I don't think he would have gone through the whole spring training process and everything just to come back next year, hope for one win. <coughs> Excuse me, but he has done his job for fantasy managers this season. And I know he didn't for the whole, most of the season, but for most of the season, you weren't rostering him. Most people, it was kind of like a, almost a joke. You were looking at Adam Wainwright and you were streaming against him and betting against him. And it was kind of just in good fun. But now some people might've desperately streamed him and won their leagues because of it. So congratulations to you. If you're one of those people, don't think we'll see him again next year. Maybe we'll see one more start this year. I wouldn't be surprised if last night was the last time we see Adam Wainwright on a mound either. If he just, you know, the Cardinals just kind of let him go. Maybe he does get one more start. I'm not really sure what their thought process is internally. But Adam Wainwright has had a great career. It's nice to see him finish it on a very strong outing, potentially, uh, against a division rival there. But that will do it for us for today. going to be back at you tomorrow. We're going to be talking about news of the day and we're going to also be looking across the rest of the week as well. We're going to be doing this specifically over the next three days, really. But we're going to be looking at players to add, players to stream, because this is really the time of year when every decision is under the microscope, right? You start the wrong guy, you stream the wrong guy. I picked up Ken Waldachuk desperately on Sunday, hoping that for some volume. It did not go well. Sometimes things like that happen. Sometimes you pick up a guy and it might be Adam Wainwright and and you never really know, but we're going to be talking about those decisions here on the show. If you guys have any questions, reach out over on Twitter at JoeOrico99, also at EthosFantasyBB, still posting daily content over there, like I said, and if you're not somebody who uses Twitter, then go to SportsEthos.com and you get all that same great work from the guys and myself, but that will do it for us for today. Tune in again tomorrow. We're going to talk about some news of the day and other strategies. But until then, guys, take care. Have a great night. And cheers. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants. They all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.